0: Family, once again, and for those that are gathering in our physical campuses, Gables Campus in Miami and Kindle Campus in Miami, welcome. But also to those joining us through Church Online across the nation, around the world, we are praying today that God's truth, as we open our hearts and minds to it, will bring us closer to freedom. And uh, speaking of that, if there ever were a, a successful attempt to consumerize or to uh, a successful attempt to uh, gamify consumerism. I'll spit it out here in a second. To gamify consumerism, my vote would be Pac-Man. You know this game pac-man you know it's like gobble, gobble 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 get as much as you can as long as you can try not to die while you're doing it and watch out for those other guys you know eat 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 more 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 gobble 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 gotta have more gotta have more you play this game you know the point of this game some of us it's not just a game okay this is consumerism gamified and yet you know more 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 what you discover does not equal happy, happy, happy. Now this is confusing to some of us. And yet studies show repeatedly that it's not your means, but your meanings that will bring you happiness. Not your means, but your meanings that will bring you happiness. In other words, people with meanings can have more happiness than people with means. And this is like right in the face of our culture because if you're like me, then you can relate to the person who said, you know, if you don't know how money can buy happiness, you don't know where to shop. Or the one that I recently saw that resonated with me. You know, money may not be able to buy happiness, but it can buy donuts, and that's kind of the same thing. (laughs) It's like, right? Or here's my favorite. They say money can't buy happiness, but I'd like to find out for myself. (laughs) Wouldn't you? So our culture is definitely not going to be teaching this, but we are taking on today in this message one of the great myths of our time, of all time perhaps, that having more stuff means having more joy in your life. And I wanna say that's just not true. Now I wanna say that, but I wanna tell you that evidence shows it's not true. You can go online this very moment and check out the lottery winners, the mega million dollar lottery winners, that you would think if more stuff means more joy, then you should be able to find it there, right? But you know what you can find there? That having millions and millions of dollars does not keep you from binging on drugs. It does not keep you from losing your family. It does not keep you from blowing up your marriage. It does not keep you from not only going broke, yes, check it out for yourself. Don't trust me on this one. Get online, look it up. Mega million dollar lottery winners go broke within years after winning and wind up in tremendous debt. How does that work? I don't know, but I'm just telling you, it doesn't equate. More, more, more means happy, happy, happy. No, no, no. It's not true. There may be a myth in our culture that's telling us, but the evidence stacks up in a different direction. And not only anecdotal, but there's an enormous amount of empirical study and research that has been done on this one. And do you know why? Because this is the Bible's contention, this is Jesus' contention, this is what I want us to hear today, that your culture may not be telling you that you are a spiritual being, you're not just a material thing. So material things, it takes more than material things to satisfy a spiritual being. And that scripture's contention, as Jesus underlines and Paul behind him, is that you as a spiritual being are meant to live as a funnel, not a bucket. That just having more stuff coming in does not mean that you're going to find satisfaction. That actually you are designed, your longings and your needs for freshness and fullness are going to be most fully addressed, not by hoarding it in and stacking it up, but by receiving and releasing. Receiving and releasing. Not from an abundant, not from a scarcity mindset. Gotta have more, gotta get more, gotta have more. What if I don't have more? but rather to live in an abundance point of view. A scarcity mindset means being managed by fear. So you gotta get, gotta get, gotta get, gotta get, only to discover that as you get, 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 it doesn't, as you have more, it doesn't necessarily make you fear less. And some know what I'm talking about. The fear doesn't go away when you get more. Now that doesn't mean that getting more is bad. It just means that getting more isn't the full solution. So so the cultural myth needs to be put to the test. And Jesus said it very plainly. And I mean, and this is a smack you between the eyes, Jesus. He says, guard against all kinds of greed. Every form of greed. There's not just one kind of greed. There's a lot of different forms of greed. He says, wherever you find it, guard against it. There's envy, greed, got to keep up. There's pride, greed, got to be first. There's lust, greed, gotta, 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 gotta have more. There's fear, greed, what if I don't have enough? He says, whatever kind of greed you bump into, guard against it. This is Jesus talking, and why does he say that? Because he said, you're not gonna find life there. You may think you're going to, but it's not gonna be there, and you're gonna have spent all that time stacking all this stuff up only to discover it's not here. Life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So don't live to get, get, get more, 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 packing it away like a little Pac Man because you were meant for more than simply gathering more stuff. Life isn't found there anyway. So, the single truth that we're trying to think about today that you're not going to get in culture is simply this it's, your, it's not your means that brings you happiness, it's your meanings in life that bring happiness. What meanings? Well, I'll offer three. Spiritual meaning, personal meaning, relational meaning. Let's spread them out into a statement. Live as a recipient of God's abundance. That's your spiritual meaning. Then live as someone whose needs matter. That is your personal meaning. Your needs matter. And then live as someone who can make meaningful contributions that matter to other people. That's relational meaning. Or we can sum up in one statement what the, I think, the practical, ethical application of this talk would be. Here it is. Receive all God gives, then keep all you need, and then share all you can. Let me say it again. Think about this. Because I believe this is what the Bible teaches. I think this is what Jesus teaches. Receive all God gives and then keep all that you need and then share all that you can. And you will find this, you can see these clearly in a line from one of Paul's letters in the New Testament. If you've never seen it, then I'm really excited to show it to you. If you don't know it, it's going to bless you. If you sit in it, if you soak in it for a while, if you let its truth clean the filter of your mind and kind of wash and guide your vision so that you can get more clarity on it, then I'm telling you, it's like scales will fall from your eyes, hardness will melt from your heart, and your life will find a little more freedom from the truth the monster of materialism will, will yield. The monster of materialism that has his hands around our throat and we don't even see it, but we live for the scarcity mind that says more, more, more. I'm supposed to be happy, 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 but all I feel is not happy. What is that? And so I believe that if you can find this truth, if this truth can find welcome into you, you will find welcome into a spacious, a new rooms of spacious abundance from God um, and materialism will yield. And this is a great verse to memorize, by the way. If you haven't memorized it yet, this would be one to put on that list. And parents, this is a great one to memorize with your kids, especially while we're in the Daring Greatly series. This is a great time to be doing it. Um, If you're a spiritual leader and you wanna help somebody else who gets tangled up in this stuff, this is a great one for a mentor to be able to share with an apprentice and you memorize it and share it together. Or deacons, hey, this is a great one to be able to help people when you find yourself in a place of an intersection of need, then this is a verse that can help you. I'm saying if you're a spiritual mentor, if you're a spiritual leader, if you wanna guide your kids to help them find freedom in this area, don't miss this verse. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God is able, God is able to make all grace abound to you, to you, so that you at all times having all things that you need, or so that in all things at all times having all that you need, you might abound in every good work. This is a great verse. Would you agree? I love this verse. I mean, this is an abundance point of view. Kind of reveals my scarcity mind, but it all starts with God. And Bill, you're not God. I can say the same thing to you. You're going to feel less tired because you're not God. It's not up to you to create the abundance. That's what scripture teaches. God is able to make all grace abound to you. You're not God. You don't have to make it all happen. Now, you're a part of it, and you're a significant part of it, but you're not the source. So hear the verse again. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, then you will abound toward every good work. And I would say circle the alls. You want to help somebody get the full impact of the Circle the alls. God is able to make all grace, none left out, not skimpy little portions, all grace He's going to load up to you so that in all things, all things, nothing's left out. No, that's what the Bible says. All things at all times, except today, right? No, all times, you will have, having all that you need, then you will abound, abound in every good work five of those alls, you know, all, 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 and every, that's kind of like another word for all, right? Every all, same kind of principle. And then two abounds. Grace abounds to you, and then what? You abound in good works, this is like like, a, like seven power punches of abundance mindset that challenge the scarcity point of view. And you see what he's saying, don't you? It's really clear, it's right here. Receive all God gives, receive it all, and then keep all that you need, and then share, all that you can, is that what you see there? Now you may be snagging a little bit on, yeah, but all that you need, you know, that's not like, that's not what I want, you know, that's all that I need, right? You're know, like, well, what I need is donuts, right? That's what, maybe not, that's Pac-Man Bill that wants some more donuts, gobble, eat, eat, eat gobble, gobble, gobble. Uh, but where did Paul come up with an idea like that? If in fact that is in the Bible, which you probably ought to check it for yourself to make sure. That's that's talking about me? Well, check. And yet, I'm thinking Genesis chapter 1 and 2, all the way back to the beginning of the story. These are the foundational truths upon which Creator God's point of view was first unveiled to his creation. Here's how the story goes: God makes all that is the cosmos. The world, the good earth, all that's in it, all the fish, all the animals, all the plants, all the birds, you know, and then he says, let's make man, let's make human beings, male and female, in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule. This is how the story starts. And then, verse 28, he blesses them, he blesses them, and then he says, be fruitful, increase in number, subdue the earth, fill the earth and subdue it, tame it, harness it, unleash its potentials. And then in chapter two, what does he do? Well, he takes the man that he has made, puts him in a beautiful garden, a garden of delights. That's what Eden means, pleasures, the garden of pleasures. And and then there's a river flowing in it that funnels out into four head rivers or uh, yeah, into four headwaters. And then one of them goes down through a land that's rich with gold I mean, you really ought to, this ancestry.com, you ought to go all the way back and find out where you come from here because God wants you in a garden of provision and abundance. One of its, it was full of gold waiting to be mined of treasures. And then verse 15, it says, he puts them in the garden to work it, to cultivate it, to reproduce, harvest. Adam's being asked to do what? Receive all that God gives. All grace abounding to him. Just receive it. Receive what God has made and receive who you are made in his image. What does that mean? Well, you're made in his image. That means as an expression of his person, you're made in God's likeness, which means an uh, extension of God's presence. And then he says, let them rule, which means an exhibit of God's power. This is the identity of image bearers of God, yours and mine. In other words, we are equipped for regency. Now, regent isn't a word that you hear a lot, but what it means is one who rules in the absence of a monarch. So a governor, a manager, a champion of the cause, a point leader that's been put in charge of an effort and said, okay, you got this one? Okay, take it. That's what God has done. This abundance of earth, he then gives to those that are his offspring by divine image and says, receive my provision in giftedness. You now have the ability to manage, to problem solve, to overcome. You were made for management. That's Genesis 1 and 2 in the Bible that God has given us of his truth. You were made to problem solve and to to manage so that you can overcome, make it productive, and then steward it well. But as God provides and says, receive it, you know what he also says? Now be nourished by it you're gonna find that it will fuel you, it will feed you, it will help you. I'm giving it to you, and I want you to cultivate its crops and mine its gold. And But then don't forget, as you do, that this world was intended to serve all its created beings, including its environment, its animals, its plants, and its growing family of humanity. In other words, what I'm hearing God say is, okay, receive, all that I'm that I'm giving and keep all that you need, but then be sure that you're sharing all that you can. The principles are there, you see them? And so what I see Paul doing is just lifting those out to help Christ followers in his day and our day know how to manage their resources. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, we were already there, and there it's even given in a cultivation context. Uh, Here's how he says, I mean, we're not meant to live little Pac-Man lives, grabbing it in and storing it down. But no, sower and reaper lives is the image. Verse six, remember, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. There's the affirmation of the problem solving, image bearing you. You have the authority to know how to cultivate your part of the garden, so you gotta make up your own decision on this. But not reluctantly, everybody's gotta decide what they're gonna give all by themselves. Not reluctantly, not like somebody's pulling teeth, and you're not under compulsion, nobody's twisting your arm. No, but you're you're choosing to step into your image-bearer self because God loves a cheerful giver. Now there's the joy right there. There's where the satisfaction comes. The joy that's connected with receiving and releasing is where the cheer shows up. Now, how does a sponge stay full and fresh? Well, you know how, right? By passing on, squeezing out what just arrived, what it just took in. And if it doesn't, then something can go sour in the sponge. Right, you don't have to admit that it's happened in your kitchen. It may have happened in mine once, maybe, or twice. But you know the sponge got to be cleansed, and something's else got to happen because it soaked something up that it should have squeezed out, but it stuck around too long, and now it's uh, stagnant. If you don't want to stagnate in life, the principle says you you've got to be ready to share what you're also soaking up. And as you do, here's what's going to happen. Others will feel the splash, they will be helped by it, and you'll stay fresh and ready for more. That's how the principle works. So, and this is contrary to the myth that dominates the mind of American culture. Challenge me if you, you know, meet with me later and tell me, you know, you're... No, here's what the world says. Get all you can, can all you get, then sit on the can, (laughs) right? Here's what God says. Receive all that I give, keep all that you need, but share all that you can. There's the principles that we're seeing at work here. Don't just be a, a bucket. Learn how to live like a funnel. Receive and release, receive and release. Plant the seeds, that come from your harvest. Don't just store them, don't just eat them, gobbling up your seed as feed. No, think about how it can multiply. And so what God is sharing with us, here's my take anyway, are three epic principles of financial management, of stewardship, of life management. Number one is the principle of entrustment. God makes it all and then entrusts it to his image bearers. He gives it to you. He gives you the opportunity of life, the creativity of life, the opportunity to develop and make more of life. That's entrustment. Secondly, empowerment. Why does God empower us? So that in all things, at all times, you may have all that you need. Is that what your Bible says? Yeah, entrustment, why? To empower you, to be fed, to be fueled, to take what you need and be able to live from it. And then the third principle is enrichment. In other words, now share what you can. Learn how to squeeze out the sponge so the life can come, the life can go, and more can keep you fresh. Now, you know what? God could have done this whole thing all by himself. Is this true? He could have started the spinning the cosmos and then he could have managed it all by himself. But he didn't. Why? Instead, he made you for your moment in time. Why? So that you would have opportunity to change the world and to have impact, making meaningful contribution as you discover and develop the giftedness that he's put in you and wants you to grow and become what? A daring, greatly regent manager. (laughs) God wants you to learn how to dare greatly as a regent manager, not as a scarcity mindset hoarder, Pac-Man, 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 gobble, 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 try not to die, watch out for the other guy, get more, get more, get more. But rather, a manager who sees farther than his own appetite. So we don't have time today to go into the details of God's plan, but I wanna commend to you a tool that we use regularly around here called Financial Peace University. It's built on these three principles. Entrustment, God is creator, God entrusts his creation to the ones that he says are management material in the world, and that's why he gives us stuff to manage and decisions to make, and problems to solve. God has given the world to his people, to his creation, and then put us in a garden of pleasures with instructions to have dominion and make it productive. There's only one rule in that garden. Only one rule. The whole thing started with just one rule. Stay away from that tree. That's the only rule. In other words, go with me on this one. Don't go your own way. That's the only rule. (laughs) go with me into all of this, but just don't go there. And of course, we know how that story went. And yet, this is entrustment. God has said, "Your, your decisions have impact that will affect others. And so I want you to learn how to lead well and manage as regents in my cause. And to my understanding, God has never rescinded that plan. Human beings are still given the world and expected, entrusted, and now inspected to be empowered by it. It's supposed to feed us, it's supposed to fuel us. God gives it to us and the world and its potentials become opportunities for us to develop, but then also to find what we need to live. There are material needs because we are spiritual beings in a material world. But as we grow, what we discover from the material world is that it's not enough. We discover that we're not just material beings because we get material stuff but it's not satisfying spiritual need. Oh, there must be different types of need. Yeah, that's what we start discovering. As we mature, we discover that we have emotional needs that are not met by material goods. We have relational needs that are not met by material goods. We have spiritual needs that are not met by material goods. And if we're paying attention and we'll discover, hey, I'm more than a material thing, aren't I? Yeah. That's what's built into the material world so that we can grow in greater ways into our original identity. Sometimes this never, never fails to surprise me. Our mission teams get back, and one of the things they typically always say is this. I just, it just got to me how these people are so poor, but they're so happy. How does that work? Well, welcome to the other side of the myth. <laughs> the, It doesn't take a whole lot of stuff to find a whole lot of joy. And then the second thing they say is this. Another lesson that comes back is, you know, we're discovering and developing in our young people and in our adults that every member of missionary, we're saying, hey, let's look at the wider world and what God has called us to. And another lesson we learn is that we can each one use the time we have, the life we've been given, the goods that have been entrusted to us as opportunities to not only empower us, but also to enrich the lives of others. Or how is it that Spider-Man says it? He says, with great power comes great responsibility. And you know, Jesus said it before Spidey did. He said, to whom much is given, much is required. The truth is the same. That you've been given resources, not just to gobble, 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 and then hold them, no. God gives so that then you can not only get your needs met, but then rise to help others, be a difference maker. See what it feels like to be a philanthropist. That's not a matter of how much you have, it's about how you learn to share. Everybody can be one of those. Now, you probably know about the Niagara Falls. A beautiful outpouring of the Niagara River flowing from Lake Erie to Lake Ontario, from Canada into America. But did you know this, that it also provides power for about 4.4 million kilowatts of electricity, 2 million on the Canada side, 2.4 million on the American side. The Niagara River is one of the greatest, world's greatest sources of hydroelectric power. But the river isn't hoarded to make that power happen. The river runs It's not plugged, it's not stopped, it's not closeted all by itself, its life flows. And as it flows, the water keeps the river alive. And then that river's life benefits millions of people beyond its banks, every single day. Now I'm thinking this is a picture of God's plan for your life, for my life. That his flow is going to keep you fresh and alive, but it's also going to give you the opportunity of being of benefit to others beyond your banks. The life God gives isn't meant for hoarding. Hoarding leads to stagnation. Running water, you outdoorsmen, you outdoor people, you outdoor, is it outdoors ladies or outdoors women? What is it? You know, you know what I mean? You know this. The purest water is that that keeps running the freshest water is is the water that keeps flowing that's where you want to get a drink that's where the the river is most alive that's the best places to get a drink now to change images let's go back to the seeds you've been given seeds to sow every one of us has them it's part of the gift of god in life and in creation, and so that your seeds can be planted, that you might grow gardens, crops will yield seeds, yes, you will feed from those seeds, yes, but don't eat all of your seeds, because then it affects how you sow. But others can benefit from your success, and I think that's what Paul is trying to help those believers and us see today. The laws of sowing, there are at least three of those. Real quickly, here they are. You always reap what you sow, same character, The character of the seed you plant, the fruit of the plant then bears fruit accordingly. Second law, you reap more than you sow. Did you know one kernel of corn will produce a stock that can produce 1,200 kernels of corn? This is amazing. Check the science on that though. One seed of corn planted can produce 1,200 kernels of additional seed. God has built abundance into life. And then third, you reap later than you sow. In other words, you know it's not gonna happen like that. You gotta learn how to trust the process, how to let it work, and then then see that there are spiritual principles here. These aren't just practical, physical principles for us. Today is the father of tomorrow. Wise management pays dividends. So the question is, what seeds are you sowing? What garden? are you growing? What gardens are you growing? What fruit is coming to harvest from the root that you have planted in your part of the garden? And then, not just fruit are you raising, but okay, how is the sharing going? That's the question that regent managers are being asked to make. And you know why that one matters, because our livelihoods depend on our response in this area. God is depending on us Our livelihoods depend on how well we're managing, right? So we wanna be careful about that. But then God is depending on us, if this in fact is true, God is depending on us as image bearers and regent managers to see that others are also benefiting from the skill sets that he's given you and the opportunities he's given you so that you can be part of the solution, which is actually why we're talking about this today. Sometimes people get upset when the church talks about money Maybe you've already had one of those conversations since last week. I have. (laughs) At my house, I have. You know, this isn't an easy topic. It's a sensitive topic, isn't it? And you, you know why we talk about it at church? Because you talk about it at home. Like how many times did you hear the Dow report this week or the NASDAQ or the latest economic indicators or what the president is doing about taxes and how that's going to affect What Your bottom line. This matters to us. We talk about this. That's why it happens. And so one of the tools that helps us enter the conversation and find wise solutions is Financial Peace University. We've been using this tool. It's a workshop for years. Our average class size is about 10 people right now. So there's plenty of attention given to each individual on how to apply biblical management principles to multiplying and managing personal finances, reducing debt and managing and increasing means. Tony Sickle is one of our class facilitators. He says we usually see a debt reduction of about $25,000 per class. That kind of gets my attention. You mean the church would help me try to reduce debt? Yeah. Actually, he, as a facilitator, he can tell you about a family that since the time they started applying the biblical principles six years ago, they have paid off all their credit cards, all their student loans, their first mortgage, a rental property for a grand total of $435,000 in six years, debt reduction. And at the same time, learning how to exercise greater generosity in the enrichment portion of this for others. So it's not just about what God wants from you, (laughs) which affects our scarcity mindset and our need to hoard. No, it's what God is saying, do you know what I have for you and your church can help you experience that? That's our commitment, which is why I'm not afraid to preach on sensitive, touchy subjects like this because I know the difference it can make when people apply what God's truth is. Jesus said the truth can actually set you free and it even works in financial ways to bring what God wants for you, solid money management results, his way into your life. Now, speaking of financial peace, Victor Furness is one of our trainers there and here's what
1: he has to share. My name is Victor Furness, my wife is Rosie, and my daughter Isabella. We've been coming to Christ Journey now for eight years, the last two of which have been here at Christ Journey Kendall. So we first connected at Gables. Um, My wife and I started attending at Gables. We loved it. The message there, Pastor Bill, won us over from day one. But what really brought it out to us and connected to us even more was, we had to move. And when we moved, we moved down here to Kendall. And it just it got to the point where it was going to be really difficult to continue to drive all the way to Coral Gables. But we, lo and behold, we find out that Christ Journey Kendall is here and literally a block away. So we said, all right, let's try it out. So we came and we fell in love. It was a small setting, which was great for us because it allowed us to connect. We, we got into a small group here. And it just made, the, the intimate setting made it to the point where we're just getting to know each other and getting to know the family here. We became part of the church and we really enjoyed it. So a defining moment for my wife and I was about three years ago, we attended Financial Peace University. My biggest challenge was not only carving out enough time to give, but also giving money. Doing, going through FPU, even though that's my profession. And it just, it still gave us tips and pointers on how to do things properly and biblically to allow us to carve enough money. And of course, the time to be able to lead. So part of what I do is, is help people manage their money. That I think is super important because at the end of the day, they might not all have, lots of money to give but if i can teach people how to manage their money manage their budget what it's going to do is allow them to be able to carve out the money they need to to be able to help others on top of that i think the, the a person's greatest legacy is leaving their children with the knowledge of how to manage their own money Because that's something that my parents never taught me was how to manage my own money when i asked my parents for something they gave it to me so when i got off on my own i said wait up a second there is no parent to just give me money anymore and i had to learn and that's what brought me into this profession was okay it doesn't work this way what do i need to do to learn and then that in turn has has led me to i want to make sure that my kids and i want to make sure that my clients' kids don't go through the same thing. So if I can help somebody learn to manage their own money, that's the greatest gift they can give to their own children is showing them. And it's it's what I call it, it's a change for the rest of their life when they don't have to follow in their parents' footsteps when it comes to mismanaging money. So if they can learn to manage their money, then they in turn teach their kids how to manage money. And then at the end of the day, we're gonna be going from one level to the next, and it's just gonna be all in God's glory. I would encourage, if you're gonna give, Give because you want to give. Give because it calls you to give. God gave us this money. God gave us money for a reason. He wanted us to manage it properly. And one of the things that we do with our money is put it where our heart is. So if your heart is here with Christ's Journey like it is for me, then put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your heart is. Is Put it towards Christ's Journey because at the end of the day, all it's going to do is going to help more people find and follow Christ.
0: Victor is uh, one of our Christ Journey Kindle volunteers. He and his wife, Rosie, and their family are connected there. And you heard him say that he does this for his day job. But what he has taken from, what he has learned from God's truths has taken his understanding to another level so that now he incorporates it in his work at work as well. This truth that he's not just there to help people increase their means, though he definitely tries to do that, but now he's looking at how can I help them increase their meanings in life as well? And that means life change and personal story about the difference God can make when we follow his truth. Now, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, okay? But I know that we have stories in Christ's journey of people who have faithfully sought to trust God with their resources and have seen God come through even when times were hard. And when you were just praying your way down and wondering, I don't know, and then God showed up and provided in a financial way. And I'm just wondering, if you would feel comfortable doing this, if you wouldn't mind, if you just like to the glory of God would like to say, yes, I haven't answered prayer like that in my life, and I'd like to give God glory and perhaps encourage somebody who thinks that I'm just talking about this because it's what churches do, you know? We're just after people's money. But if you were to say, no, God came through for me and I've seen this happen in my life, would you stand? Now, all I, want, all I want us all to see is that God does this. I'm not just talking about it. Thank you very much. God bless you for your courage and for sharing, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Except I don't want people leaving here saying, did you know what the pastor said? He was just trying to, no, I wasn't. I was saying, here's some freedom, and here's some answered prayer, and if you happen to be sitting by somebody who just stood, then you might say, you know, what happened to you? and then see what story they wanna tell about what prayer God answered. And when they decided to trust, what did God do? Maybe it was a parent who really wanted to help a child understand and God showed up. That's why we have family ministry right now, sharing a tool that parents can use with kids about how to respond in a matter that's so significant as this. And that's why regent managers in families like Victor's, where maybe you weren't taught, how to do these kinds of things, then we want to do that. How to do what kinds of things? Entrustment, how to receive what God has for you, and then how to be empowered by it, and then how to practice enrichment. Or let's say it this way, how you can receive all that God gives, how you can keep all that you need, and then how you can share all that you can And you know what you might discover? Might even happen this month you might discover that it's not your means, but your meanings in life that bring greater happiness. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for how generous and gracious you are toward us. Thank you for how bold and truthful you are in your word about these things. And thank you that you desire to bring us into greater freedom where we can get ourselves into such traps, such messes when it comes to our managing resource. So I'm praying for people today, wherever they find themselves on the journey, that they would sense your presence with them, your blessing upon them, and your truth to guide them to whatever their next step might be. And we thank you for the opportunity of being part of your family, and being able to bless and enrich the lives of so many. We especially thank you for the opportunity of inviting our friends and our loved ones to come to be with us here. And we wanna take a moment to bless and pray for every one of those, every guest that's with us today, and especially those that are spiritual seekers who are relating to some of the things I've said. If that's you, and you would like to ask God to bring spiritual, relational, meaning and blessing to you, then I can tell you it comes by opening your life to Jesus Christ and receiving the forgiveness of sins. And you can pray with me right now if you want. Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive my sins. I thank you for what you did on the cross and then rising from the dead for me. And now I am turning from my way to you and inviting your blessing to lead me forward. Thank you. In your name I pray. Now our heads bowed just for a moment longer, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, then would you simply slip your hand up and hold it up just for a moment. If you're joining us online, then you can click that orange banner. Thank you, sir, right down here toward the middle. Thank you, ma'am, in the middle as well in the center. Over to my left, God bless you. Thank you, sir. Toward the back in the front, toward my right in the middle, God bless you. Lord Jesus, we pray for every one of these men and women, our brothers and sisters in this journey, as we seek to take on this giant of mammon, of of money that can so enslave, and how we pray now that they would each one sense the freedom that your spirit is giving them as they have trusted you as their savior and now would take the next steps of faith by your abounding grace as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.